those techniques in that kata and you do take them beyond their limits by training other things with it, that you could take them into the arena of the battlefield. Welcome to the Taekwondo Daddy Podcast, a resource for martial arts students and parents by martial arts student and parent Logan Ramirez. Taekwondo Daddy, train hard, parent harder. Kata, also referred to as forms, is defined as a system of individual training exercises for practitioners of karate and other martial arts. And it's a term from which virtually every martial artist is familiar with. And while I used to think it was just part of the deal, you know, another step towards belt promotion, um, I feel really fortunate that I've met some men and women in my martial arts journey who've, who've really opened my eyes to not only what kata is, but what it can be. And I'm excited to present this recording that I did with one of those one of those uh, instructors, Hanshi or Eighth Dan, Tony Jordiades or Jordades, if you can't roll your your R's. Um, quickly reading just the first part of his exhaustive bio, Tony Jordades is president of Budokai International and is currently recognized by the Budokai International Board as Soke of Budokai Gojo and holds a Hachiran black belt. He was inducted to the United States Martial Arts Hall of Fame in June 2015 as Soke of the Year. He's also a Rokudan in Okinawan Shorikan Gojoru, a Sandan in Shorinru Karate, Chodan in Abu Jutsu Ru Jutsu, Jujutsu, and a Senior Blade Master in Mushinkan Edged Weapons. And in Sport Karate, Tony was ranked as the world's 10th contender in the middleweight division for full contact karate and 7th in the world in semi-contact tournament fighting in the World Journal Martial Arts Kickboxing Rankings and 3rd in the Central Region by official karate. He's the only fighter to have knocked down Bill Superfoot Wallace for an 8 count. Needless to say, it was an honor not just to meet Hanshi at the recent United States Martial Arts Hall of Fame, but a real gift that he was willing to sit down with me and have this conversation. Um, I certainly fall in the camp of people who like Kata, and after visiting with Hanshi Yodiades, I, I, I like it even more. Anyway, enough of that. Let's get to the good stuff. Here's the conversation. All right. Good afternoon, Hanshi Georgiades. Georgiades. Right? Is that right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes, in Greek. I'm sorry. Yeah, Doug. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I feel like I didn't work hard enough to, to before this podcast to get that right. But I'll, 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 I'll keep working on it. Next time I see you, I'll bring the whole rolling R's to the table. The all right. I've so, heard all sorts of names. So. Oh God, I bet. I bet. Um, all right. So you know, I, I, I want you to talk about. I mean, today we're covering kata, and and the reason you're in my mind in particular is because you know we met recently at the United States Martial Arts Hall of Fame conference where you taught a seminar on on kata, and I loved. I mean, it, it was you know, it was my favorite of all the segments, specifically because you talked about these three aspects of kata, and 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 I had only ever heard really of two, I guess, and I think my favorite, I think it was bunkai was one. Of my, anyway, would you? quickly go over those three again and, and, and yeah, um, we have yeah. to. I think what, uh, what I talked about basically was the three, the three ways we look at kata when, when we're teaching it and trying to pull out the self-defense aspects of that kata. And, uh, one of them, the one, um, the beginning one was hanto and excuse my pronunciations, but, um, hanto basically means, uh, you know, the head, the guy that developed it or the person that developed that kata yeah, yes. many years ago. 
So he had an idea of what he was doing when he made those techniques in that kata. However, during the centuries, the decades and the centuries of time that's gone by for those uh, kuru katas or the old ones, we really don't know what he meant by them anymore. So we, it's hard for us to go back to the Honto and say, this is exactly what he meant. Now, there's mm-hmm. some nowadays where people have developed their katas, and obviously they know what they put in them. So mm-hmm. they're the Honto, that kata. So the next thing we go with when we teach kata is orote. Okay, so the, the orote of the kata pretty much means, you know, what you see is what you get. So if it looks like a punch, it's a punch, right? If it looks like a block, it's a block. Mm-hmm. And that's how we've been teaching katas, uh, you know, from sensei to sensei. It's been, well, my sensei showed me this was a Joe Block, a Joe Muke, a, a Chu Punch, a Chu Don Zuki. Um, but what if we went into the third one, which is the Uda, or the hidden technique? Now, the hidden technique could relate to the Hanto. I mean, we could actually be pulling out a hidden technique out of that kata, and it's what the Hanto, you know, developed, but we don't know that. Hmm. But the hidden technique is, is that block really a block, or is it the setup for an arm block? So those were the three things that we looked at. Got it. And and the third one that that's that was something I wanted to ask, which is, so you you think when I mean, we don't know unless you ask, I guess the Hanto, but um, uh, you know we don't know if there is. I mean, is there? Do you think that there is always a hidden meaning in kata, or is that something that we project because we want there to be a hidden meaning? I don't believe there's always a hidden meaning. I mean, in the basic katas, like the ones Sakichi Taguchi developed, the, the um, Tondo katas, we call them, it was pretty plain. That's pretty pretty much an orote. You know, what you see is what you get. You're a Joe mm-hmm. Block and a Chu Punch. But we can develop a hidden technique out of that if we want, like I said, and turn that block into uh, the beginning of an arm lock uh, mm-hmm. and, and such. But um, we really don't know if what we're even doing with the uh, Ura, you know, is related to the Honto, but it's something that helps you practice kata more and to understand more techniques. Right. And, you know, I'll go into something here that I thought you might want to ask is about how did kata get started? And if you look at it, if you look at the, the idea that people have of how kata got started, they say the Okinawans developed kata, because they were hiding their techniques, right? Because they were invaded by the Japanese. The Japanese uh, didn't want them practicing martial arts, and they didn't want them using weapons. So that's how the weapons got developed out of farm tools. But if we go with that theory, we're saying that kata started in Okinawa, and that it never started anywhere else in the world first. Mm -hmm. So so if you believe that, then um, that would be... Their hidden techniques were within their kata, making it sort of a dance so that they could practice without the Japanese seeing that they're doing martial arts, right? Right. But one of the other theories that I like is kata developed in different places around the world. I mean, China had kata, I believe, before even Okinawa did, because a lot of mm-hmm. Okinawans trained with the Chinese and they brought it back. And um, I think of it, of it more as a story, more as a poem, you know, like an epic and when you sit around the fires and, and they told the stories back in the olden days to try to continue with the generations, I think that's what Kata did. And it was hard for you to just show single techniques and remember them. So the single techniques were put into a Kata, made like a poem, right? Mm-hmm. So that when you pass that poem on to future generations, 
they could pull out those techniques out of that poem. And uh, I think that's how they pushed their techniques forward. And the more techniques they learned, the longer the kata got or the more kata they developed. Right. Um, that's kind of my belief. Yeah, well, I like that because I mean, it certainly resonates with me as an artist. I, I play guitar and I sing, and I, I, it makes a lot of sense to me because I do remember things lyrically yeah. um, much easier than just kind of rote memory. And and maybe that's also, I mean, I've, I've, I was at a, a tournament recently, and, and a guy did a kata that must have been like a thousand moves. I mean, it was it was really right. I mean, not not you know it was really long and much longer than the ones I'm used to. You know, thirty three sure. steps or whatever. Um, and yeah. so, so, you know, I, I don't, I wasn't sure what to make it. That was the first time I'd seen a kata be that long, but, but the way you framed that as a story, then it, that makes more sense to me. Like that's how else would you even know how to remember that or, or, or do it time and time again. Right. Um, and pass it on from generation. Right. Yeah. Um, and I saw you're a black belt in jujitsu. Is there kata in jujitsu? You know, uh, my style is a beikoku, abajutsu room. And we never had katas in it. Um, I've seen some other jujitsu systems that have a type of kata, but when you look at what they do, it's more of what we would call a bunkai. You know, they mm. actually practice their techniques and their throws in certain steps. You know, several of them at a time. And I believe some of those styles call that a kata, and that's okay. Um, but I've never really seen forms or katas done in jujitsu. Uh, and there could be styles out there that do it, obviously, but. I've never really seen those done as in a progression, you know, for rank. It's more of just a training sequence. Yeah. Okay. And tell me again, bunkai, I used that. I misused that earlier, but what what is bunkai again? Uh, bunkai is what we call a two-man kata. So, you know, you do your kata with your techniques, and then you do it together with, with somebody, and it follows the kata. So you're mm. pulling the techniques out of the kata and using them on somebody. It helps develop more, mm. you know, focus and control as well um in in our tong pseudo training we do something called one steps that sounds like maybe it's similar yeah similar one steps is, would be similar to our system as what we call kumite kiso kumite and uh, they're one step self-defense you know the beginning things like you step punch up you step punch middle you step punch right. down and right. you step and there's a finish right so those would be our one steps yeah just so everybody knows the system i'm talking about is the shorikan gojuru system which I've used and added into the system that, that I have at Ankaicho, basically is the uh, Budokai Goju, just so they understand what I'm talking about when they talk about Kaka's Bunkai's and Kaka's yeah. and, and so as I've, as I've trained, I've run into um, students who, who don't care for Kata. Like they just are completely uninterested. They think it's boring. Um, you know, they don't see the practicality of it. And, and I've heard that story um, told also were like Bruce Lee. And again, I haven't studied Bruce Lee. I'm, I'm still pretty new to martial arts, but I grew up watching him and, but apparently he, his general philosophy was like, yeah, Kata, it's worthless. Um, and again, that may be overstating, but, but to simplify it, it seems like there is a mentality. My point is there's a mentality that way. Um, but I feel like, uh, I, I think it's super important. The instructor, you know, I'm under master Jose Ramirez and his master, our grandmaster, Johnny Thompson have both emphasized Kata. Like this is very important. Um, arguably one of the most important things you do. Um, so I wanted to ask if you feel the same way about Kata and then if you think had Bruce Lee lived long enough, do you think with age or with, you know, understanding, um, you, you come back to it? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Bruce Lee obviously studied cars um, when he first started, you know, in China, um, because in the Gung Fu, the Kung Fu right. system that he did, there was cars. We have to remember that Bruce Lee was a young age. And when I was his age, I kind of felt the same way. So I felt, I felt like Kata was just a, you know, a means to the end. What was the end? Oh, my next rank, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to do Kata. But uh, and so he took out all the fighting aspects of the art and wanted to put them together for just fighting. And I used to feel that way. You know, I used to think when I'd go to tournaments, I'd see somebody, really good fighter, let's say like Ray McCallum. Ray McCallum, you know, usually always wins, but he would place in Kata. If there, depending on who was there, you know, he might even win Kata. But normally, a really good Kata practitioner never won fighting. So when I looked at that, I thought, hmm. is it, do you practice Kata make you a good fighter or just being a good fighter bring out the form in you to make you a good Kata practitioner? But I think they both came hmm. together. And they didn't realize they were working together because they were studying kata for their rank, right? That that means to the end. But they wanted to be a fighter. But what would have happened if they never did kata? Because I think it's like a house. The foundation has to be strong, right? So you can only do so many stances, so many punches, so many blocks just standing in front of of a mirror. But if you practice in kata, I think it builds your footwork, it builds your timing, your control, your focus. Um, but that's if you do it right. And I've seen so many people do kata just for that purpose of getting their next rank. And they never look deep into what the kata is. Mm. For instance, the first three moves of the Tondo Kata Daich, it's a turn, block Joe, step, punch two, turn back around and shikodachi and block gay, or down block, you know, in horse stance, kind of a horse stance, what we call a sumo stance. But actually, there's more like six or seven moves in that, those first three, if you do it right. And that is what people are missing when they think kata is no good. They don't look at the footwork and how they stepped in, how they stepped out, exactly where their hands went, where their wrists straight, where their shoulders straight, where their hips square, where their leg locked, was their leg locked in a certain stance. And they don't practice that. They just rush through the kata. I believe those that did kata properly because they wanted to be good at it made them a better fighter. If that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does to me. Do you think that is, I mean, that's a message that I feel like needs to be in top down. You know, the, the instructors have to believe, believe that first. So you do, um, I mean, you said if Kata is, is foundational, you know, as I was hearing you talk about that, it really felt like a message though, that really is top down. It's instructor led, right? The, the approach to Kata is something that is taught, um, and, and maybe, I guess to some degree, everybody forms their own opinions. But if you have an instructor who makes clear what what you did, right? That hey, you know, it, this isn't ju- you know, this isn't just about technique. It's about really not just perfecting the technique, but understanding foot position, and then and then layering in um, the hidden piece. I think that is very interesting. But it's only interesting if you're told that if you're educated, right? I mean, so so what role? I mean, I think the answer is obvious. It's a big role. But how you know how, what role does the instructor have? to, to learn and teach that, um, that message. Well, you hit that, you know, you hit the point right there is, is when you look at some of the instructors that teach Mm. Kata, well, really all you have to do is look at their students, Mm. right? You you see how their students do Kata and you'll realize how they're teaching them Kata. 
And a lot of students just rush through kata, like I said, because, you know, it's a means to the end mm. to get their next rank, even though they shouldn't get their next rank if they can't do kata good. Right. But um, it's part of the system, right? You have to learn so many katas in this system. And here, let's teach this one. And I've heard them say, well, the reason is, is because we don't have time to do everything else, mm-hmm. like, you know, ground and pound and hit the bag and and, and uh, do other types of weapons and things like that. But if they set their schedule, I think they'd work it out better. I mean, I've done um, seminars with people before, and I've said, let's uh, let's go through kata. And we, I look at their kata, and I see that their stances are all wrong, and you know, so their punches are going to be bad. But then I'll say, let's do bunkai, and we'll put them together. They'll do bunkai, and these are black belts I'm talking about. And about halfway through, you know, quarter way, halfway through bunkai, I'll say freeze, right? So you guys freeze right where you are, and probably nine out of ten of them are off balance at that movement. Their footwork is wrong. They didn't concentrate on where their footwork uh, was at the time. So their technique was going to be weak. Um, So I try to get them to fix, to slow down and fix their technique while they're doing it. And yes, and to understand what they're actually doing and why it won't work the way they've been practicing it. That's why they think it's useless, but it will work if you practice it the right way. Got it. Now, now how do you take what you've learned in kata and those disciplines um, and apply that to other aspects of, of what you do, like weapons training um, or I guess life in general, but you know, moving, moving out of the realm of what is traditional martial arts into something like self-defense and, and military training. How do you apply kata to that? Right. Um, when, when I'm doing military training, obviously there's not time for, for kata with those guys, but I take a lot of the technique out of kata, you know, a lot of the self-defense techniques from katas that I do and I put them into their training class. But uh, what I like to do and what most instructors should do is teach a kata, one kata, and then break it down right then and there, you know, and tell them what they did and tell them what the technique was and then have them practice each technique separately. And then like I'm going to do in the next Hall of Fame uh, class I'm going to be teaching, I'm going to show those techniques with empty hand defense and then add knife defense with that same technique and possibly gun defense with that same technique. Um, and how about applying it, you know, other, other aspects of kata training that make you a better human, I mean, whether, you know, some better, better, better spouse, better, you know, parent, coach, whatever. Sure. Um, developing concentration, you know, developing understanding, um, patience, when you do kata and you do it right, instead of rushing through it, you know, build patience, um, build that desire to uh, do that kata right and stay at it and continue it until you finish that project, you know, just like you would in real life. If you put your martial arts into, you take your, your real life and you use your martial arts aspects, you know, it's a, it's, it's a way of life. And if you train hard and you study hard and you put your heart into your training, I think you'll do the same thing in your life. And that's why a lot of kids, I've had a lot of parents come to me when I had a school in the past and say, hey, my child's doing so much better. You know, they listen, they do what they're told. Um, Mm -hmm. They want to come to karate because they enjoy training with you. Uh, I think it changes a lot of people's life if they do it right and they put their heart into it. I think so too. Do you have a favorite kata? I do. I like Super Empe. Um, It's one of the last um, katas in the Okinawan Shurikan system. And it has a lot of technique in it. Well, Go ahead. No, I wasn't asking. What? Tell me what you love. What do you love about it? Why is it? Uh, I like all the the. It has a lot of different aspects, not just the punch kicks and and 
and takedowns, but it has joint locks that, that you could use. It has, you know, the throws that you can use. If you really look into Super Impe, there's even some down fighting in it. Um, uh, one of my black belts does a lot, takes a lot of kata movements and puts it on the ground and says, you can do this same technique in kata and standing up, wow. you can do it on the ground. And uh, he likes to train that way. And we, so we, we do that about once a week. Oh, I like that a lot. Um, okay, let's move into a game I'm making up called Agree or Disagree. And, okay. and I'm I, you know, going into this, I, I, I read, I found some quotes on Kata. And uh, we'd just love to read you the quote, and then you tell me agree or disagree and uh, your thoughts on it. Okay. So this first one, actually, I got a couple here from, it looks like, and I don't, I don't know, Gichin Funakoshi, Funakoshi, Funakoshi. founder of Shotokan Karate. Yeah. Funakoshi. So, so, or at least the site I said credit it to him. All right. Here's a quote. In the past, it was expected that about three years were required to learn a single kata. And usually even an expert of considerable skill would only know three or at most five. Okay. Um, agree or disagree? I agree. I agree in that time frame. Things are different now. Mm. And why I say that is in that time frame, a lot of instructors didn't teach every day. You know, they had other jobs and they were working for the government or, or, or such. And they may have only taught once a week. Some of them may have taught right. a student once a month. So they stayed on one kata for a long time. And I believe back in those days that he's talking about, the Hanto days, right? They actually trained on those techniques yeah. like we should do today. Um, so, mm -hmm. yeah, I agree. I just think that uh, nowadays when we, we teach three classes a day, you know, for six days a week that... You can learn them yeah. faster. Yeah. <laughs> all right, good. All right, so the, 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 I agree. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, all right, the next one from from Kitchen. Um, Once a kata has been learned, it must be practiced repeatedly until it can be applied in an emergency. For knowledge of just the sequence of a form of karate is useless. Right, and that and that relates back to uh, the first quote as well. Um, it, it should be practiced repeatedly. So they did that kata over and over again, you know, for years. Um, he's talking mm -hmm. about what most people call motor memory. I mean, muscle memory, but I refer to it as motor memory because the motor is what remembers to mm -hmm. send the message, right? Um, so he's right. he's referring to to that where you build up that motor memory and that technique so that if you get attacked in the street, you automatically respond. And and I agree with him. Good. All right. Next one. Kenwa Mabuni, founder of Shido Ryu Karate. Shido Ryu Karate. A kata is not fixed or movable. Like water, it's ever changing and fits itself to shape of the vessel containing it. However, kata are not some kind of beautiful competitive dance, but a grand martial art of self-defense, which determines life and death. Yeah, I think he's he's talking about what we've been talking about, actually, is is what is kata all about. You know, it's about self-defense. It's not not just a dance even though it was meant to look like one with the theory of the Okinawans making it up. But uh, it is it is not fixed because we're all different sizes. We're all different shapes. We're all di we're, we have different genetics, and some people can't do certain things like kick high, right? So most mm -hmm. kicks were low anyway in kata. We, we're the ones that made them high to make them look good. But uh, hmm. I think they, the kata has to form around your vessel, who you are, now, they should all look pretty close to the same so that, you know, if you're sitting on board testing somebody, you're going to go, yeah, I know that kind of, and he's doing it right, but he's doing it for him and for, or for her, you know, and the way they look when they're doing it. So I agree with that. Yep. 
Um, the next one is, um, our teachers did not give us a clear explanation of the kata from old times. I must find the features and meaning of each form by my own study and effort by repeating the exercise of form through training. It's by uh, Suyoshi Chitotsi, founder of Chido Ryu Karate. Yeah. That, to me, um, it sounds like a lot of the problems now that we're, that we're talking about where people don't understand what their kata means. And again, it's just <laughs> the, you know, the means to the end. Uh, he must have been taught the same way. Uh, so, you know, I agree with it for him. I don't really necessarily agree with it for, for everybody, that, if that makes sense. Well, it, and I guess to be fair, I mean, this also speaks right to the Hanto piece. If if you're right. doing a kata where you know the Hanto's not there, then then um, you do kind of have to find the features and meaning. Yeah, um, but obviously, if, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, next one is by, uh, by um, Kenya Mabuni again. Um, do not fall into the trap of thinking that just because a kata begins to the left, that the opponent is attacking from the left. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of technique, like in our cipher technique. Uh, you're assuming that you're like turning around and hitting a guy with a hammer fist to the head, but it's possible that in a certain move, he's not on your right-hand side. You're not hitting right. a guy with a hammer fist. You're throwing a guy from your left-hand side to the right-hand mm. side. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they're not always there. Uh, on the left, it's it's a maneuver to get to that position. Yeah. Okay, then our next one. Choki Matobu says, uh, the techniques of kata have their limits and were never intended to be used against an opponent in an arena or on a battlefield. Okay, I have to disagree with half of that comment. Um, mm -hmm. The first half, yes, techniques of kata, they do have their limits. Um, that's mm -hmm. why we learn other things. You know, we move forward and we, we change things and we make them work um, through the ages. But I think that if you take those kata, those techniques in that kata, and you do take them beyond their limits by training other things with it, that you could take them into the arena of the battlefield. I mean, when I was in law enforcement, we'd make a lot of arrests and I would use, uh, arm bar takedowns and throws that are in mm -hmm. your kata, you know, with a, with a leg mm -hmm. sweep. And, uh, it's something you, you didn't finish, you know, the guy on the ground in your kata, but when you're on the ground, you lock them up and cuff them, right? You're adding, you're taking mm -hmm. that past its limit. So that, that's how I feel about that one. Yeah. Good. Okay. And the last one, well, two more, one, one isn't kata directly, but the, the quote is, never put passion in front of principle. Even if you win, you lose. And that, of course, is by Mr. Miyagi and the Karate Kid. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I would assume what he's saying, what he's saying there is if you're passionate about beating somebody, but your principles are that you shouldn't hit that guy at that time, then you're, right, you're, right. you really lose. You know, even though you, yep. you may have won the fight, you, you lost in life. So yeah. I agree with that. Now, now I've been I've been taught when doing a form that onlookers should see your opponent. Do you agree? I, I'm not really sure um, what they're what they're trying to see at that at that point, uh, or who the onlookers. Well, yeah, would be, I mean, so. yeah, it's, I mean, the, the, I mean, what I've been told is, you know, you're doing it. It's it's like you are. There is a scenario that you're playing out where you're defending and someone's attacking someone's someone's, you know, hammer fisting. So you're doing this high block. Um, but I, you know, they're generally saying like the, maybe it's an intensity comment that you should be so intense that, um, you know, someone can visualize the person attacking you. Is that? Yeah. Um, I suppose if you, if you look at it, if you look at it that way, um, it, 
it may, from the way you read it or the way you said that to me, it seemed like people that were watching the fight should always see, be able to see your opponent, which isn't necessarily going to happen. Um, if you're doing kata in a tournament, let's say, and your your judges are to the front, but you're doing techniques to the back. I mean, that's just something that happens in kata. So I'm not sure I agree with that. Sure. Well, I mean, I mean, I guess let me let me reframe it. So so when doing a, a kata, um, you know, without without a real opponent, but they should be able to see the imaginary one. Oh, the person the doing the person you're actually yes, okay. The, the the person doing the form, I would agree with that he imaginary he can see that that imaginary individual and where they're at and what they're doing. Um as for onlookers, the way katas move and go around three hundred and sixty, they're not always gonna see where that opponent would be, but mm-hmm. you should be able to. That's good. Okay. Yeah. All right, so I got three closing questions here. While preparing to do a form um, what are the three most important words you think someone should think of? Just try, you know, okay. Like you're getting ready to do it. You know, what are they? Um, I would say concentration, um, take out all the aspects of the outside world, concentrate on what you're doing, even though you're keeping your peripheral vision because you'll need that in a real fight. I think the next thing they should think of is their footwork. Uh, to me footwork. And I think I explained this in the hall of fame was, was pretty important in being able to protect yourself, having good footwork, because bad footwork, you end up on the ground all the time. And the third one, I think, is focus. You know, focus on what you're doing, focus on what it means, and put all th- all of those three things together. Slow down your kata and concentrate. Is there is there something else other than those during the form you should focus on? Yeah, I'd focus on the next move. You know, just- <laughs> Just think, you know, while you're doing yeah. it, like while you're actually doing yeah. it, because so much, you know, it's like playing chess, like playing chess. You think, you know, five moves ahead. Kata is the same, mm. the same way. You know, if your body, if your motor memory is built up and you've practiced Kata properly and you've done it over and over and over again, you should be going through that move thinking two, three moves ahead, just like you would in a real fight. What if, you know, uh, Chuck Norris said one time he used to come train out at Haggerty's whenever he'd come come to century and you know he said he always thought thought through the whole fight um before he went into a tournament like okay if he does this i'll Mm -hmm. do this if i do that and he does this i'll do Mm -hmm. this so um i think if you think you know a few moves ahead without rushing through your moves that's what you ought to do yeah that's great um all right last last one when finished with a form what three things should a student feel? I want to feel confident that I did the form right. I want to know that I have understanding of that form. So I'm confident about the form, confident that I understood the form and I knew what I was doing. But I also want the desire to repeat it and to repeat it if I need to correct it. So when I'm done, I want to feel confident. I want to know I understood it, but I want to know what I did wrong. And I want to have the desire to repeat it and correct it. That's awesome. Thank you. Well, good. Well, I'm not going to take any more of your time. Um, I did want to, did want to mention though, again, you're Kaicho president of, of Budokai International. And, and, and fo- yes. tell, so close yes. to tell me a little more about, tell people listening, what is that and, and where they can find more information. Budokai International is uh, a recognizing body. It's been around for over 44 years. Um, my sensei, Tom Haggerty, started it 
a long time ago. And uh, what we do is we help other schools to to grow, um, students to be recognized, owners and schools to be recognized, and also to pass um, you know information and knowledge to each other. Good. Okay. Well, thank you again, sir, for your time. And uh, I look forward to having you back on where we get to talk about our next uh, segment here, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for checking out the Taekwondo Daddy podcast with me, your host, Logan Ramirez, as I navigate not just learning martial arts, but parenting a martial arts student and everything that comes with that. If you like what we're doing and want to support us, the best thing you can do is simply review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to us. You can check out our website, taekwondaddy.com, and visit our online store or sign up to receive news and updates. Or you can follow me on Instagram at Logan Seth Ramirez. But either way, get out there, train hard, and train harder.